Welcome to today's episode of Reflections on Logic of Inquiry. I am your host, Sarah Bostic, and today I will be discussing qualitative and quantitative methods. To do this, I'll be discussing Martin Hammersley's chapter, Deconstructing the Qualitative-Quantitative Divide, from his 1992 book, What's Wrong with Ethnography? Methodological Explorations. In this chapter, Hammersley challenges the widely held idea that there are two methodological paradigms for social research, quantitative and qualitative. He challenges the notion that they are so clearly distinct from one another and sees arguing the differences between the two as being of little use. Quantitative and qualitative methods are often understood as being fundamentally opposed to one another. But accepting this as fact and then limiting ourselves to either one or the other, restricting ourselves to these two paradigms, or any number of paradigms, is counterproductive. If there's one consistent point Hammersley drives home throughout this chapter, it's that social researchers should choose methodologies based on their research purposes. And further, we shouldn't be choosing paradigms simply due to the ideological commitments we have to one paradigm or another. To disrupt the dichotomization of quantitative and qualitative research paradigms, Hammersley discusses a few of the most common distinctions between the two paradigms and breaks them down to show that these distinctions are not absolutes. He identifies seven of these issues that have been overly simplified. One, qualitative versus quantitative data. Two, the investigation of natural versus artificial settings. Three, a focus on meanings rather than behavior. Four, adoption or rejection of natural science as a model. Five, an inductive versus a deductive approach. Six, identifying cultural patterns as against seeking scientific laws. And finally, seven, idealism versus realism. The first overly simplified distinction between quantitative and qualitative paradigms is that quantitative uses numbers and qualitative uses words. This is true to some extent, but qualitative research does make quantitative claims in verbal form. For example, saying things like regularly, frequently, often, sometimes, generally, etc. So generally, when quantitative researchers are critical of qualitative researchers, it is in regards to the issue of precision. However, Hammersley maintains that precision does not always mean numbers, is not the only virtue in description and measurement, and it really depends on the purpose of what one is researching. Measurements accurate to the third or even sixth decimal point aren't necessary in every situation to determine if a trend is present, and precision isn't necessarily any more accurate. Social researchers should consider the resources they have and their purposes in their research. The second overly simplified distinction is that between natural and artificial settings. The claim is that quantitative researchers use experiments to study artificial settings, while qualitative ethnographers study natural settings. Hammersley states that every setting of research is itself a part of the social world, and school classrooms or courtrooms are not necessarily more natural than what goes on in a laboratory. The issue at heart in this distinction is the degree to which the researcher shapes data. 
potentially causing an error in the data so that it may not be generalizable to the real world. Hammersley is sure to point out that reactivity is not the only element that might reduce the generalizability of collected data, regardless of if the data is collected through quantitative processes in an artificial setting or qualitative processes in an ethnographic real-world setting. The third simplified distinction suggests that qualitative research focuses on meanings while quantitative research focuses on behavior. Qualitative researchers do not always focus on meanings and may not always be documenting from the point of view of the researched and may not always be aware of meaning. Likewise, quantitative researchers may study attitudes which can be understood as behaviors and interpretations. The fourth simplification is for natural science as a model for social research and for quantitative methods to be criticized for taking natural science as its model. Hammersley highlights that often qualitative researchers hold natural sciences in high regard and that some qualitative researchers have also tried to model their work based on natural sciences. So there is no clear distinction between quantitative and qualitative methods when it comes to modeling work on natural science approaches. On page 167, Hammersley also urges social scientists to consider which natural science we are talking about as a model because there are significant differences in the approaches among and within natural science disciplines, and there are multiple interpretations of methods used in natural sciences. Finally, we should consider that not every aspect of the natural sciences should be applied to social research. Very few would argue that, even the most ardent positivists. The fifth simplification suggests that qualitative researchers use the inductive approach and build theory, while quantitative researchers use a deductive approach and test hypotheses. We need both approaches, and both quantitative and qualitative researchers often use both deduction and induction, moving from ideas to data and from data to ideas. These ideas flow into the sixth simplification that claims qualitative researchers are searching for cultural patterns while quantitative researchers are seeking scientific laws. This isn't always the case, and it historically has not always been the case. Earlier qualitative researchers, in fact, were attempting to produce scientific laws. Finally, the seventh simplification suggests that qualitative and quantitative researchers have different epistemological positions, with quantitative researchers being realists dedicated to truth claims being in correspondence with an objective reality. Qualitative researchers are assumed to be idealists or relativists with no possibility of representing reality. Hammersley easily shows this to be false and says on page 171 that there is no, quote, necessary connection between qualitative method and a particular epistemological position, end quote. Therefore, quote, dichotomies obscure the range of options available to us, end quote.
I personally like this piece from Hammersley. As a budding sociologist, I'm trying to determine my path and which paradigms, methodologies, and epistemologies are most in line with the work I'd like to do. I've worried that if I choose one, that I'm barred from choosing others. I don't like dichotomies and absolutes. I'm still unsure of how to reconcile larger, sometimes fundamental, philosophical differences, but I appreciate Hammersley's emphasis that the choosing of a variety of approaches should stem from more than political or philosophical commitments. He maintains on page 160 that these philosophical and political arguments are important in methodology, but there are other significant considerations as well. He also claims that, quote, philosophical and political assumptions do not have the sort of determinative implications for method that they are sometimes assumed to have, end quote. I notice his use of the word method here as opposed to methodology, in which methodology would imply a stronger tie to epistemology in my understanding. So I am curious if epistemological questions like the nature of truth would be included in this statement that philosophical and political assumptions do not have as many implications for method as they are sometimes assumed to have. What do you think, my lovely listeners? Do questions about the nature of truth have a huge impact on the methods we choose as social researchers? I'm interested to hear what you think. This concludes today's episode, Deconstructing the Qualitative and Quantitative Divide. Thank you for listening.